Have you ever had a guava? is happening right now uh yes like, I mean, like guava. fresh off a tree while you're in no. hawaii no. like if if they lasted longer and it's why you don't see them right because they don't they don't once they're off the tree their their parish life is <laughs> is very very rapid but if you're ever in hawaii again and i know you like to go to hawaii I do enjoy literally it, it for me it is the greatest fruit I've ever tasted. It's so delicious. It's so sweet, but not, not too sweet. And it's just juicy. And if you're out on a nice hike, mm, you find a good guava, it, it, it'll change your life, change your so life. You're saying fresh off the tree. You're saying the half life off the tree is rapidamente. So yeah. if you, if you eat it too far removed, it's, it's not the same. That's right. That's why it's hard to find them in a store because Can you they eat the can't skin? ship them. Yeah. You eat, you eat it fresh. You eat the whole, whole thing. thing. Does it have a pit? Uh, seeds? I, What's I, it got? It, it has seeds. So you got to be careful. Huh. Yeah. Sure. All right. Crazy. It's this is delicious. This is, I'm getting schooled up here. Delicious. <laughs> Guava mode. Guava. Hawaii. It's awesome. Welcome to or welcome back to More In Common. We are a social enterprise with the goal of exposing the root system. We believe the truth is that we are all nurtured by the same things and we're dependent upon each other. And this is our podcast, our social experiment, if you will, um, where we look to provide a comfortable and safe space to have open, honest, and insightful conversations that matter. We have created a map to help you talk to anyone about anything at almost any time. The goal is to supplement this map by providing you with the tools you need to improve your conversation skills. So you may become a catalyst for connection and be a conversation leader. Booyakasha. So Rodney... Got to remind everybody, if, if you guys and gals love, like what we're doing, leave us a review on your socials. It's the, one of the best ways you can help support us, get the word out there. Share it. You know, certainly share it. And uh, go to our website, moreincommonpod.com, where you can find out more about us, how you can support us, some of the merchandise that we're selling. And, all, things, um, all things more in know. common. Go to moreincommonpod.com. So... Last last conversation we had, Rodney, was uh, Jeff. Uh, talk to me about it. Would you Would you take away Just from it? Just a couple of dudes having a conversation about politics and coming at it from all kinds of different different angles. And I just I I having the conversation was refreshing, but listening back to it was also just like, oh, I kind of, why can't every conversation about politics or religion or whatever it is just be this easygoing? Like, I don't, there was no over, there was no, there was no push to make each other agree with the differences we had. There were differences and it's just like, oh, I, I see it this way. I just thought it was a a really good representation of things that we're trying to accomplish with this endeavor. Yeah, I agree. It's it's funny because in our episode today, uh, give a little foreshadow um, where where Mike mentions something about um, you know if you don't talk about politics, you can probably get along with anybody. And the thing I liked about this conversation with Jeff is. We don't agree on things and there's certainly a lot more that we may not agree on, but if in listening back, you, you really can't tell, right? Because we're just having a conversation where we're curious and understanding each other's perspectives and, and just processing different thought processes. So I really enjoyed that. And, you know, one of the things for me was this idea of voting for a candidate in an effort to build his vote. So they have a seat at the table for next debates, <laughs> uh, kind of this, yeah, this voting paradox that we're in, right. Is I want my vote to count for someone who could get elected, but I don't like either of the candidates. So I should vote for a third. So how do we break that down? And I thought that was a really, I thought that point really caused me to think a lot about how I voted, even in the recent midterms. Because the narrative we're sold is that we have two options. And if you don't vote for one of those two, then you're throwing your vote away. Like you might as well not vote. Right. Because like, right. because if, if you know, for, for Hillary and Trump, we were told that, well, if you're not gonna if you're not gonna vote for one of them, then it's a vote for Trump. Like if if you vote for somebody else, then it's a vote for Trump. And it and it's really 
it's it's bad math for one and then it's mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just not true but then with the, the gary johnson thing it's like oh well if he got i don't remember did we talk 10 percent, 10 percent. they would yeah. actually get a seat at the national debates in the next in the election. next election right that that party right. and if i knew that i would have considered voting for him let me put it like that right um yeah no, there's, there's, it's not throwing your vote away at that point. But um, so those were the things that, that, that definitely hit home for me. Now, who do we have today? today we have Mike Carlito. Mike uh, is a self-described undercover Mexican. That's <laughs> <laughs> funny. He's born of Cuban and Mexican descent and he's white presenting. So he had an interesting experience growing up and we get into that. He's a local mus- musician here in Los Angeles and he's a man who studies philosophy a lot on his own time. Uh, he's deep. He's insightful. He brings a unique perspective to current events. And I say current based on what was this? How many months ago? To March. March. March it was actually March. Yeah. So current-ish 2018. Uh, <laughs> but based on his life experience and just his study of things. So... Uh, it's a fun conversation. What, what other topics do we get into? Yeah, I mean, the, the, we talked about a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, it was a very condensed conversation that went in a lot of different directions. Um, I'm seeing but, things you know, like Mexican you know, diaspora all the way to punk rock. Yeah, we talked about a lot of, you know, his current place, his background where he grew up obviously that undercover mexican component of things how he's learned to navigate conversations um you know just growing up hispanic uh we talked about you know being what a snowflake is so we go all over the place um, but we really tried to put it together into a, a nice episode so i really hope you enjoy it Um, you know, even one of my best friends is, is a hardcore Republican and I don't agree with a guy on everything, but there's enough to agree on. So I guess, yeah, I learned how to be, a, I don't know if democratic's the right word, but at least like, I'll hear you out, man. Like, you know, I don't, I won't necessarily agree. And yeah, that, that, that's sort of what the band life taught me as well. And learning how to, you know, again, see like, what's the bigger picture? Like what is the bigger ideal that we can all get on board about. Just, but with Rawls, it was that idea of like, if think, of like how would you design a perfect society if you didn't know what class you were, what sex you were, what race you were? You know, how would you go about creating a fair society if you didn't know any of those factors were going into it? So maybe that's kind of like, what we kind of need to get back to not just being so uh technocratic about trying to impose morality tell 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 our audience and us a little bit about mike uh well i mean i guess the longer the short is uh, i grew up in simi valley uh california which is an interesting place uh, when you don't share a lot of the politics of the town, I, I guess. What are the politics of Simi? Well, it's a, it's a very conservative sort of, uh, you know, very Republican sort of county even. I mean, the, the Ventura County motto is uh, go on vacation, leave on probation. It's very like, you know, it's a, <laughs> sort of a, this isn't like an attack on police, but it's very police-centric sort of town. I mean, I grew up in a very sort of uh, like open-minded question Every, everything question authority sort of household so you know and it's also when you grew up in that town too and uh you're an undercover hispanic and your best friends you know growing up is a is a is a black guy and you're living in the town that they acquitted the cops for rodney king like you know that's sort of like gives you like some like oh this is a interesting place but to, to like finite uh or to 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 get more into why um i guess why like change and that sort of stuff has happened with me is just because I've spent a very long time going down a certain life road with music and everything. And recently I've changed to go down more of the like digital marketing route, taking over um, more responsibilities, even with like uh, a family company I work with, which is in like construction and development and like going back to more of a, 
like an entrepreneurial sort of route rather than just pursuing music. So that in itself has been like a whole shift of going from playing shows and, and, and being, you know, in that world to like, oh, now I'm going to switch to a more, uh, I don't know if the word, like if it's necessarily a square kind of life, but hmm. you know, definitely going to more of a world that's uh, more organized than I've been in the past. So a couple things, uh, Ventura, mainly Republican. A lot of people don't know that there are Republicans in California. Oh there's yeah, a lot. Yeah, there's Fort county. Oh, Fort. well, uh, it's also interesting that you say like, yeah, there there are a lot of Republicans within California that yeah. people don't realize. I mean, you know, even leading up to the election, like I was, uh, I was seeing a girl that lived in. Uh, well, I was driving up to Oakland for a while, and then driving up to Sacramento after. But all along the way, I'd see. Trump posters everywhere, you know, yeah. once I got out of Los Angeles County, you know, that you start seeing all this sort of stuff everywhere and you start seeing that there's like a lot more conservative people within this state that we don't necessarily see being in like Los Angeles or even if you go up to like the Bay Area, you know, those are more hot. Sp- but I mean, Orange County is a very conservative place. Orange County super. Do you think it's because, do you, you know, that shaming thing that happens, like if somebody outs themselves as a like I don't I don't know if that's a thing but like they say something you re- realize they're conservative in LA County they get shamed or defriended or unfriended from Facebook or Instagram or whatever people do I think that used to be the case but I'd say in the new era that we're in they dig their deep like they dig their heels in even deeper now and become more uh, robust about their political belief now because it's it's just to them. It's, it seems to be more of an attack, even if you try to discuss, like, why you believe in conservatism or republicanism. So, what's interesting, just given the, the frame of reference of the political discourse that exists in our culture right now, a little bit. To say the a little, least. A little tense these days. But, but you grew up in an open-minded household, um, <laughs> as an undercover Hispanic, which we need to get a little yeah. bit of detail what that actually means for you, um, with a with your best friend being black in a very conservative place, um, how how did you navigate? What was that like for you to understand different perspectives, learn from other people? You may not agree, but I mean, what what was that ecosystem like for you, or was it and, a little less civil? And I know we talked about. This I just I'm going to do it, but for good reason. So, like, open household, conservative, uh, Ventura being conservative, if you could add a little context to the meat, like, w- what you mean by that, because, you know, conservative is such a buzzword that people hear and they already go into what they think. Sure. Um, so, it'd be interesting to get, like, what you mean for Ventura specifically and open household, what that mean, or, you know, question everything, like, what does that mean for you? Sure, because, I mean, that's not to say, like, my folks were very, yeah. like, uh, like, like, you know, liberal people or, you know, like all they did was vote Democrat or anything like that. Like my folk, you know, my growing up, like my mom was very, uh, very Catholic and my dad came from, you know, more of a, I guess you could say more of like a libertarian sort of idea. Like he's very like socially liberal in a lot of ways, uh, more so now than probably when I was younger. But so he's uh, become more socially liberal as he's gotten older. Yeah. Both my folks actually, oh, okay. um, but, uh, you know, but at the same time, like, so growing up in like Simi Valley in that area, for instance, it's, uh, it's kind of what you, it's, it feels like what you'd imagine, like what a small, like Texas town probably feels like in a lot of ways, like God, guns, country, you know, they're very much into people, you know, like if. If you have a, an opinion, even when it comes to like military matters, it's like, well, don't say anything about the military. It's like, okay, so like, there's that sort of, you know, that 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 Americanism. What what you're saying is the the Colin Kaepernick flag protest went over really well in your hometown. Yeah, yeah. Nobody took a knee out there. Nobody, <laughs> nobody took a knee at all. Probably in that town, if if, if they did, very few. So what was so. Your your parents were socially li- socially liberal. You live in this. What was your childhood like? What was growing up? What were your perspectives? Did you take at an early age those more 
we'll say liberal viewpoints versus the conservative viewpoints of things that were heavily into the to the county how did you navigate that what was that like for you uh, uh growing up? well i'd say what it was more like is that what i was really instilled with was uh the the drive and the want to always question my surroundings and especially questionable of, of authority figures like you know for one instance like i remember uh i think my, i was i must have been gosh like 14 and my dad was driving me to some i had taken some summer class and you know a cop pulled us over for some tinted windows you know it was like a really minor but the guy just came up really sort of just swinging his power around swinging his weight around and then I remember my my father and this cop getting into like sort of an, a verbal altercation, like. And then finally, the cop, you know, himself was like, "What are you teaching your son?" Like, try to use me as sort of part of a prop in this argument. And I still remember the words. Like, my pop said, "I'm trying to teach him about petty people in positions of power." And that was something that always wow. kind of like, whoa, like that idea always stuck, like struck with me. So, you know, like. Petty people in positions of power. I'm not going to say Peter Piper anymore to Ruby. I'm going to say <laughs> petty power. <laughs> it's a bit of a tongue power. twister. Yeah. I, even, I, I had to take it. a moment there can't to say it myself. It. So, By the way, on that line of thinking, that was my first thought. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the Hispanic? Your mom. Yeah. Uh, so, both, actually. Oh, my dad's yeah, yeah. Cuban. My grandparents came really? here from the Cuban Revolution. And then uh, my mom's side is Mexican. And I came out looking Italian. So, it's, it's interesting. Does your dad look Cuban? Uh, what, 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 mm. Frame up for everybody listening. What's your dad look like? He's, uh, he's got black hair and blue eyes. So, and very hmm. pale. So, not Cuban. Well, he not, I guess it depends on what your idea of he's Cuban not a, is. Da- he's not a dark-skinned Cuban. He's not a dark-skinned Cuban, no. And my mom's very, you know, fair too, so... It's, uh, most people just assumed we're white. So, you could pass. Yeah, I guess you could say. Yeah. Undercover. So, so they're undercover and you're like super undercover. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I probably talk the most suburban, you know, uh, most suburban dude possible. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, so did, so did that, so did you get discrimination? I mean, being that you all looked the typical white even though the the heritage is from some very, we'll say, vilified areas in America, right? Yeah. Especially Mexico. Oh, right um, now, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, how, did, did you ever experience anything that, that kind of, especially in that town? Um, well, I think what's it's most interesting to me is the way I, I guess I, the way I, I ever like experienced racism was because of the ignorance of other people not knowing I'm Hispanic. So, I would be around people, you know, uh, let's say white people, and uh, the, they would talk about these things. You know, they would talk about, you know, Mexicans are taking the jobs and, you know, we have too many illegals in this country and, you know, the usual yeah, lines that are said. Not really assuming i'm just like a white dude that agrees with it and like i mean i remember for instance i was at like a a friend's house it was like after a show i did years ago and uh you know she had some friends in the backyard and this guy is just going off about how you know he works in construction i grew up in a in a family that you know we're general contractors and developers like we did i grew up around construction sites and all that and uh, this guy's complaining about how Mexicans are taking his job and put his family out of business and all this sort of stuff and like really going at it. And then, you know, me, like I was, I mean, you don't know me, but uh, I was, uh, I was just kind of egging the dude on to see how far this rabbit hole goes. And just, you know, at the end of the conversation, like I was completely livid. Like I had to tell the guy, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, he, he said all this, you know, at the end of it, like after his like 30 minute spiel on, you know, how Mexicans are ruining this country. I was like, oh, hey, man. And by the way, uh, a Mexican. And the dude's face just dropped. Like, he was just like, oh, like, I didn't know. And I just walked away. I mean, I remember I walked away from that. Like, I got in my car and, like, punched my steering wheel. Like, I was really upset. But that's how I experienced, I guess, 
like I never experienced direct racism because of the way I look, but the fact that people felt that they could talk like that because they assumed they were amongst their own company that I would even be on board. Undercover his Have you yeah. ever taken an opportunity and this kind of goes to the to the overarching theme of of what more in common is about to to get to that point to say, hey, by the way, I'm a Hispanic and of course the typical, oh, I didn't know, and then asking the question, but why would it matter? Like if you knew like you you had all these feelings, if you would never say them to a to a, a Mexican, so why is this okay? And like challenging it further through the anger that you would have felt. I mean, that's one scenario, but I'm wondering if you ever did or or have you thought about it? No, I mean, that's interesting you say that. Um, I mean, in that moment, in that instance, uh, for example, like I, I walked away angry, but yeah, what I was mad at was the ignorance of the person and sort of the, the, the arrogance of the person. And I don't feel like when somebody has their mind in that, in that, in that place, it, it, I don't think having a long discussion afterwards is really going to change the guy's mind or opinion sure. afterwards. It's just like, yeah. I believe, I mean, I feel like I embarrassed the guy more because I was willing to, you know, talk with the guy, engage with the guy, treat him like a human being. And then when he went down that road and I told him I was Hispanic, that probably shook him more, you know, more to the core, my feeling, than just going on afterward and be like, well, this is why you're wrong or blah, blah, blah. And like going after him in that way because he was already embarrassed. Yeah. Well, I guess like to that embarrassment. Because I, I see opportunity, especially, you know, I, I've studied psychology in, in college and I still kind of do as a hobby. So, the, the way we respond and react to certain things, not necessarily to go after someone and say, you're wrong, you're an idiot, you're a fool, but more to challenge him and say, so you're embarrassed right now. Like, let's be clear. You, you didn't realize you were talking to a Mexican and you felt this was okay. Tell me why. Like, because I, I mean, you're going to feel the way you feel, but at the end of the day, like, I'm a pretty good dude, right? I listened to you for a half an hour and you had no idea you were embarrassing me, yet, you know, we, we're having a conversation here. So, why is it that my entire kind is bad? I don't know. It's just, I'm spitballing here because I'm just sure. curious to see if it's something that you had ever thought about in I don't know how many times you've been in situations like this, but it seems like it's probably happened to you far more than it's happened to me. And I'm just curious to, to, well, the ironic flip side is that I'll meet, I'll meet Hispanic people who, because I, I look white and I talk white that, you know, my, and my Spanish is terrible that, uh, (laughs) that, uh, that I'll be like, Oh yeah, you're not Mexican or you're not this. And it's like, or it's, it's, I had other weird times too, where it's been like, they'll i'll tell them i'm cuban and mexican they'll be like well you're cuban but i don't know about mexican it's like what the (laughs) like Like you don't get to choose that for me yeah it's it's, it's, just this strange sort of thing but in terms of going back to like you know going and talking to that one guy i mean i guess i i suppose i could have but like i said i spent like like 30 minutes with the guy just letting him go on about every detail as to like why why you're a bad dude and I also run into people too. It's like, you know, then they'll say often like, well, I'm not, you know, against immigration or I'm not against, you know, this Mexican or this person or like, mm-hmm. I like my, you know, housekeeper. I like this person or I sponsored my housekeeper's, uh, you know, uh, citizenship. But, you know, that, then they'll go off on immigrants in this country. And hmm. so I, I hit, I hit those points of where it's just like, I'll talk about it. Sure. But. It, sometimes the psychology of people is strange too because they'll be okay with one person and they might be okay with me, but I don't know if I'm going to change their mind about the whole idea around what made them believe, you know, that that sort of thought in the first place. No, it's it's the us-them mentality of you, yeah. are, you have now become a, an us, but there's well, still well, them. No, he's become an exception. Yeah, that's correct. And as part, that's right. In sociology, yeah, that's is right. Like the exception. There's always an exception to the rule. You're sure. A good one. Yeah. yeah, and that in itself uh, almost makes me want to not go deeper with the person because yeah. I, I guess I know I'm an exception. 
but I'm not going to change what their rule set is, yeah. what their moral, moral sort of their sense of morality is. Well, I hope you're enjoying the show. We're going to take a quick pause uh, to tell you about one of our one of our strategic you know partners in Table Talk, uh, Rodney. Who's Table Talk? Table Talk is an awesome nonprofit that creates spaces for conversation on campuses and even at high schools now, places outside the classroom that didn't exist for people to talk. Um, you know, we talk about this and, and they, they've identified that the world is often segmented into all these echo chambers where people just continue to think what they think. And Table Talk is trying to reverse that culture by helping people make meaningful connections outside outside of their typical groups so and they can be found at tabletopglobal.org yes they can so that's it you know go check them out and uh get back into the show so how would you define yourself uh probably like center left like i mean i don't know man i'm sort of like a gumbo of political beliefs i guess but uh you know socially i'm very liberal um but i'm liberal in a way that i guess like you know, in the sense, like, if it's not affecting my life, well, then you do whatever you want to do, you know? Like, mm-hmm. in, in the realms of, of reason, you know, like, I, you know, if you're into killing people, I'm not be like, hey, you go live your life, but... <laughs> you, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> you do you. Just stay away from yeah, me. Just don't affect me. Don't not, kill me, and we're, and we're good. Yeah, but, right? like, you know, when it comes to things like, you know, like, uh, when, when gay marriage was a big debate or, you know... Um, that, that like in terms of like that it's like to me it's not really uh, a subject i i got passionately into there's you know there's other things that i don't I get passionately into but i understand people's reasons for it and that you shouldn't be you shouldn't be allowed to live your life to the fullest how, how you see fit you know again barring murder or right. you know abducting children or anything like that like, right And so on that line, having that frame of mind, living in a place that is far more conservative, how how have they treated you in your community that you grew up? I mean, I'd say for me, like, I've I've been able to get along. um, But it's also like you just, when you grow up in that sort of area and like that space of thinking, you just... You yourself, which maybe a lot of people lack, but you kind of learn how to like kind of just read the room. Hmm. Like maybe I don't talk about these things or, you know, I'm not going to dislike someone because we don't share the same political beliefs. Yeah. And like, you know, that's that's where I've learned to kind of get along with people because uh, I think most of the time if you don't talk politics, you can most people can be agreeable, you know. I think that's one of the more interesting things about how we operate as social beings is this idea that as long as I don't know this one thing about you, you and I could be best friends. But as soon as that one thing comes up, we may never talk again, right? It just doesn't, it doesn't, it, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't make sense. Like, why can't we just expand on that? We may not agree, but at the end of the day, we can still like each other, right? We can still hang out. We can still talk. Like, I don't, I don't agree with Rodney on anything. I really don't like him that much, but we still talk all the time. (laughs) Yeah, you start a show together. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So, what are you doing now? Uh, You know, at the moment, working um, and playing music here and there occasionally, but mostly just... I guess what I've been doing lately is just uh, developing my skills more in digital marketing. Yeah, uh, it sounds kind of weak, but no, yeah, but it's a big, it's a huge thing. I'm learning about digital marketing right now. Oddly enough, uh, I think like you said, music. What? Yeah, you've been in like what in music? Have you like what have I? You sing? Uh, I sing. I play guitar. I was never much into a, like being a singer. I never wanted that kind of attention i guess i never wanted to be like the front front man but i like being the guy next to the front man as a guitar player but uh in terms of music what i've played I've, I've played like like a little bit of every genre like i i started out like in punk rock bands because uh, i was i was a punk rock kid and then uh you know i was in a reggae rock band for a long time i've yeah. been in a spanish cumbia band before like i've played blues i've played funk i've done indie even some hip-hop so not rapping do i have a favorite that i've played with uh favorite genre like if you were just gonna be 
playing to relax, would it change depending on your mood? I would say so, but I mean, probably my go-to, like where my heart probably is, is still like in like punk rock and like more like hard rock, rock and roll sort of stuff. Like I'm a big fan of like the band The Sword. The so, Sword? Yeah, they're kind of a throwback band, but... The Sword? I don't, I don't even know The Sword. I know a lot of music. You just threw one out that I have no... Oh, they're out of Austin, man. They're rad. They're like a total like throwback sort of uh, like Black Sabbath kind of like yeah. Judas Priest kind of feel. And you're working on a project now, right? With a uh, with a group. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess so. Um, I have a, a somebody that I write music with from time to time. Uh, I was in his band for a while. His name is uh, Jeff Thompson, uh, and uh, he's in a band. Uh, he does a lot of solo projects, but he's in a band called Lacor, which is uh, actually like his his last name. And that that was probably the most recent thing I did. Was recording with him on uh, oh, that track you sent us. That's yeah, the, the track, track you sent, yeah. I sent you guys. Yeah, so that was probably the most recent thing I've done. And then I've just been working with uh, a couple guys I know on some more like, I guess you could say like hard rock kind of stuff. So I tend to I tend to fluctuate. Like I've never been able to just write one kind of song. I guess like I'm always like, oh, I like. I like that like flamenco part or I was listening to this Celia Cruz song today or, you know, I was listening to this, this punk rock song today and it's like, and how do I put those all into one song? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's oh, interesting. That's always kind of in my so, thing. So, so music's the passion for yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's something I definitely followed for, gosh, man, like, I mean, I started playing clubs at like, I mean, I started playing like clubs, even like playing like the whiskey in LA when I was like 15 and I'm 30 one now they're 31 but now you're getting into digital marketing it's it that are you trying to get away from music oh, yeah. or is it more becoming a hobby like what what what's what, up with the music just industry curious. These days? we know nothing yeah. about it other than we occasionally listen to taylor swift i mean i guess what made me sort of change course was like i got a little disillusioned with music after a while i mean it's hard to keep a group together and like in the time this i've always wondered like these amazing bands like i love gym class heroes i don't do yeah yeah no i'm, I'm like I think, why can't they just get together and put another bomb album together? It's tough, man. Like, you know, I told, like, I can tell you, man, like, um, I was with that band probably like seven, eight years, man. I mean, multiple lineup changes, you know, that, that we had to handle. A lot of stuff you have to do, di- you know, DIY today. So it's like you don't have the luxury of like necessarily like a manager or, or an agency that's going to help you find other members or, you know, especially if you're doing it like yourself and booking your shows and your tours and all that. But I mean, the life too can, is, is a little rough because I mean, you're always in bars, you're always, you're always playing and sort of like, I mean, I played a lot of CD places, mm-hmm. you know, not everybody, but it's, and then just the, when you're dealing with creative people, mm. it can be, everybody's thinks they're, they're, shit. well, not that they're shit, but just that like their idea is the right one. And you get a lot of like, at least for me, like I dealt with a lot of like, you know, I would bring a lot of riffs or a lot of like songs to like the table and, you know, you would, you would get a lot of criticism, but it's like, there's no, okay, so what do we do then to make this better? So it was like, criticism with no critique. Yeah. No, yeah. No other ideas. Constructive. Sure. And that's when I was like, you know, like uh, writing a lot for and like, you know, I guess co-leading uh, a band. But, you know, also working with like other artists, like I need to fit their ideals. So in a sense, like then I feel like I become sort of stifled with what I want to add creatively or like, you know what I mean? Like I well, can't. I get I get it. I don't know because I'm not super creative. I'm not creative. There's not a creative bone in here. But. Uh, I get the concept, I think. Yeah, or like, you know, you're going, you're, you're in a meeting, you know, with, uh, with one of your bosses and everything, and like you're, you're leading your meeting, you know, you're going to feel like the ideas you bring to the table are a little bit more personal, and if somebody critiques it, you're going to be like, all right, well, what's your, what's your what, do you, what would you do instead then? Yeah. How would you make this better? And like, oh, I don't know, I just don't like that. Or you go to... I get that. Or you're working with somebody else's team, and it's like, you want to put your input in, you have creative ideas, but... They're like, well, that's not what we do. And you're like, oh, okay. So, Why am I here? I mean, I guess I'll do the part, but, you know, I'll, I'll just hang back. So, it's it, it's kind of an interesting microcosm of 
the 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 social uh, discourse i'm a little over that word right now because everybody's got their opinions but then how do we bring those opinions together yeah. how i mean how are you i think it's 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 a cool thing like how do you do that and obviously there are always some challenges there's always the guy that's going to rail on for 30 minutes about how all mexicans are bad (laughs) and they're going to be a little harder to to integrate with but seven years together is pretty decent decent run like what what's what what was your trick to to making that the glue it was more i guess compromise and like you had to be i guess i was I mean, I was still young. I was still in my 20s, like early 20s and everything. But a lot of what helped was being um, conscious of the fact that, like, this thing's moving. Like, this thing is carrying some sort of weight and meaning that, like, it's not that, like, I have to compromise and keep everybody on this bigger picture of, like, hey, like, we got these shows. We have these obligations. Like, you know, I'm not going to let little sort of disturbance. I mean, maybe there are big disturbances like personally to me, but I'm not going to let these disturbances keep me from getting on that stage. Like we're going to figure this out. We're going to sort this, you know, without also trying to be too like authoritarian within the group. Cause I mean, that can happen with that. I mean, you hear that with bands all the time. Like there's always, you know, somebody who's like the, I mean, if you were watching it, like the Rolling Stone stuff where it's like, uh, was it Rolling Stone? No, I think it was Aerosmith. It was like, Aerosmith, basically, like, the singer. What's his name again? Uh, Steven Tyler. Yeah, he's just like, he's like, yeah, basically, I run this thing. And the other guys are like, yeah, "Yeah, pretty much. Like, I just believe too much a little bit in, like, democratic fairness. So, it's just always like, all right, well, let's hear everybody's opinion. But at the same time, you know, I don't know, man. Not not every opinion is equal, too. I mean, maybe that's the same in discourse with, like, average people, you know, the average person talking. Like, sometimes people... You just run, uh, maybe it's because you think your opinion's better, but you also look at them and be like, that's not a good way of thinking, man. <laughs> Do you see that, um, that mindset that you took with your, with your bands, like that, that democratic mindset? Um, is it you that brings that democratic process to a band or do you think learning that in a band has brought that to your ability to relate and connect with anybody regardless of their viewpoints? Uh, well, in that one, I mean, uh, being in a band definitely helped playing in music and like being in multiple bands or being with like, you know, different musicians or artists like I've learned how to navigate, um, you know, different people's personalities, different people's beliefs. Um, you know, even one of my best friends is is a hardcore Republican, and I don't agree with the guy on everything, but there's enough to agree on. So I guess yeah, I learned how to be. A, I don't know if democratic's the right word, but at least like I'll hear you out, man. Like you mm-hmm. know, I don't, I won't necessarily agree. And yeah, that, that, that's sort of what the band life taught me as well, and learning how to, you know, again see like what's the bigger picture, like what is the bigger ideal that we can all get on board about, you know, instead of these little, I guess, in, in the same thing that sort of permeates into, into politics today, people get really caught up on the wedge issues rather than like, what's the bigger ideal that we can all attain? Because I think, I think that's what we're missing is a, a common ideal. Sure. Um, do you, th- I mean, from your perspective and your experience, what would you say as Americans that common ideal could be so we can knock this crap off and be a little bit more civil with each other. Hmm. I mean, if, I think if people mostly got on board with, with, with pursuing more of their own like economic um, mobility again, because I feel like a lot of economic mobilities uh, sort of stagnated in, in recent decades and then if you go back to somebody like Martin Luther King, like towards the end, like yes, he was very for civil rights, but towards the end of his his life, he was pushing for you know the workers' rights and for you know more mobility and like ultimately the economics and being able that everybody can prosper and do well or at least have the ability to would in itself, I mean, not clear up racism obviously, but you know add a little bit more of a fair playing field and and maybe people would be so focused on you know, these, these smaller issues like race 
whereas like you know we're all doing better we are all americans like so i feel like maybe that's what's been lost this this viewing of the bigger picture of you know what can i do in this country and do i have the ability to be able to do that in this country yeah, I think I think you you hit it on the head from I've been thinking about this a lot is just this concept of being American. It it's kind of like split, but it's really not. We're here, right? Yeah. We're citizens, we're we're green card, whatever it may be, we're all looking for those same opportunities that that brought people here to begin with to to have that independent economic freedom and and the thing about it is if everybody were afforded that same opportunity, minority communities in particular, it would prop everybody else up. Like, sure. everybody would be better for it, right? Well, and the irony, too, is that the, a lot of these minorities that are, that are coming into the country are coming here for the economic freedom to do better. I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of them have come over from, you know, like horrible dictatorships and stuff. But the fundamental core of it is that they're coming here because they can prosper. That, or at least that's mm -hmm. what they think. That's what the dream is. It's not right. so much like I needed to get away from all those other Mexicans or I needed to get away from all those other, <laughs> you know, whatever. Like I needed, I wanted to do better in my life. Did your, yeah. did you speak Spanish at home? Uh, when I was younger, but as I, it was very interesting because like my pops wanted us to be more American. So he he didn't want, hmm. to he didn't want us. He didn't really didn't speak. I didn't grow up in a house that spoke Spanish, even though everybody around me spoke Spanish, like in my family. So like I feel like I've learned quite a bit through osmosis. Like I can be like I can listen to conversations and pick up on it, but my actual ability to speak it back is it's just it's terrible. You know, it's 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 not it's not good. Are you are you uh, first generation born here? Um, no, I'm actually second generation. My parents okay. were the first generation born here because my dad was the first one born here when my grandparents got here after the Cuban Revolution. And then my mom's side of the family, I guess have always been back. Like my grandma, her mom was born here in California, but then moved back to Mexico and then, you know, met my grandfather down there in Mexico and then, you know, came back to the U.S. So... Which I think is sort of interesting. Even today, it's like there's always been so much cross-border activity with, with, but that's probably digressing from the. No, because, because that's where I'm curious to. So you're second generation born here, but your mom, your grandmother was actually born here, went back and then came, came back. Yeah. So she was an American citizen born here. Yeah. So it was a lot easier for her to traverse. Sure. The, the, the immigration navigation. Um, <laughs> um what with the entirety of the 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 conversation around immigration these days um being very personally tied to it i mean what what are your thoughts i mean how does it impact you and your family has it impacted you and your family especially being um undercover hispanic right sure. so yeah. um you know there's a lot of vitriol uh as there always has been it's funny because immigration it's like oh you're italians get out of here yeah oh, you're irish get out of here now it, the majority of hispanic is is generally darker skin so it's oh, easier you're to vilify, right <laughs> sure oh you're black go back to africa like, man, y'all brought right. me here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, with Mexicans, it's like, go back to Mexico. It's like, well, this used to be Mexico. Right. Like, <laughs> right. You know, I'm well, here. You go back. Yeah, go back to the 13 colonies, man. But, um, well, like, my, it's, a good it, point, though. it's interesting for me, man, because, like, I have in my family, my Mexican side, hardcore Trump supporters that – are like yeah like we're not we're, we're not illegals we don't have illegals in the family or you know like very like get they want the border wall and like it's like don't you see the irony like <laughs> don't you get and then you know like i mean i grew up too with uh like my mom would drive like i grew up you know ventura county should drive us through oxnard or at least you know meet through oxnard sometimes and be like, you know, point at the fields and like, be like, you have family in there. Like you, you probably have family in there. Like it was always something very cognizant on my mind. And then growing up in construction too. I mean, you meet a lot of Hispanic workers, like, and you see how hard they work and you see that like, they, they aren't 
committing crimes. I mean, even the statistics show that, like most immigrants who are over here in this country that are working, it's not a high crime rate. It actually comes in later. It comes in my generation, really. <laughs> but, um, like, until it happens to me, it's not important. Yeah. Mentality, right? Like, yeah. cancer is bad, but it hasn't happened to anybody I know, so it's not that bad. And it's like, oh my God, cancer's horrible. I gotta wear pink, like, every, yeah. like, oh no, like, it's not real until it happens to me. Sure. It's like our psyche. Well, I think that's just part of the human condition because yeah. we can only, I mean, most of us are just, I mean, at least for me, like, I'm kind of a, I guess like an empiricist. I can say, like, until I see it, I, you know, until I can see it, you know, I don't believe it or until it happens to me, I don't really realize the gravity of mm-hmm. the situation. And that's, you know, that's why the things like making people aware and stuff like that is a very difficult sort of, sort of sort of task to complete it's it's yeah that's a great point this this, we talk a lot about the different diasporas of various different subgroups you know and this concept of you having family who support the wall yeah and that are mexican we talk about and that are mexican and we talk about this idea like Tell me, help. Tell me more about that. So, like, is it a lot of your family? Why do, do you engage in that conversation to understand? Like, because I'm I'm incredibly curious about this at this moment. Like, I can't get my mind off of it. I guess I used to be more interested, but it's got. I mean, like, they were always conservative. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, and it's, it's interesting too because I mean, they grew up like in the barrio, man. I mean, they grew up in the San Fernando Pacoima area. I don't know if you're, I mean, probably out in Cleveland. There's probably no frame yeah. of reference. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Predominantly. Is that like the barrio? Yeah. Is that like. The barrio. Is that like, uh, what are barrios? Is that a, is that a, an uh, American bar that serves tortilla chips? It's a, it's the new tapas bar. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but, um, no, but I mean, they are, they grew up in predominantly Mexican neighborhoods and all this, that were, you know, lower, you know, income sort of areas. And yet, as they got older, they became like staunch conservatives that you know at least in my opinion like sort of like i i don't know i mean they there's this weird sort of dichotomy where like they say outwardly that they're very proud to be mexican but then there's sort of like a, a shameful factor we're like well we're not the illegal mexicans or what and it's like they start subcategorizing your own mexicanness you know, I mean, I don't know if it happens, like, you know, even in, like, the black community or other communities. No, but it's like, community. You know, there's, like, this subcategorization even amongst the people that were like, hey, we, we're all into this together. Like, NPR picked up on this late in the, the Trump-Hillary election cycle where they interviewed a couple families all around the nation. And they did a couple Latino families in, like, Miami. And the... First woman they brought on, she's, she's, I want to say Puerto Rican. And she's like, yeah, I'm probably going to vote for Trump. Yeah. And they were like, you can hear the interviewer go, huh? <laughs> she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm Catholic. I'm super conservative. Sure. Like a lot of the values line up. Like, yeah. She's like, he's, she's like, I don't like how he talks about women and that's an issue and that's causing pause. But she's, she's like, I don't, maybe you don't understand the Latino community, like, we're, just because we're brown skin doesn't mean that we vote like every other brown skin community yeah. here, which not even, like, not even blacks in America all vote the same. So, I don't know why you would assume sure. that Latinos are yeah. vote. Well, the Cuban community, I mean, is very Republican. At least a lot of the older generations are very Republican, very conservative, you know? I mean, I guess it's sort of a backlash of coming out of, you know, a... a a communist society and even then like from my understanding of it from what i've heard from my grandfather is like none of them knew they were i mean a lot of them didn't know they were getting into like a communist society when it was happening like that's not what they were fighting for right so i think that's sort of fidel just kind of yeah and that gotcha yeah and so that put a lot of fear into like them that's things why they turned into conservatives when they got to this country uh, was because of like, oh, that, that shit can just spring up overnight. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's bad. Like, that's, that's evil. So, 
you know, and they're a Latino part of the Latino community. They're a huge voting block in Florida. Do you do you have a hard time reconciling that with your family, or do you just kind of let people be people and vote the way they need to vote? Well, it's like if I can talk to him about some middle ground stuff, like we we'll discuss it. But you know, that's sort of the tough thing to do these days. Like everybody always calls the left. Uh, you know, snowflakes and like millennial snowflakes. But my God, like, honestly, like I meet so many on the right too, that it's like, if you bring up certain subjects, like they freaking lose it. Like they Mm -hmm. just shut down. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, you know, I'm going to vote for the guy for 140 years. Like, you know, it's, it's, it just <laughs> gets, yeah, well, like, he's close. Yeah. Hey, that's what China it's, did. I don't like it, but I think the term snowflake is, it's a real thing. Sure. Like, it is a real thing. There are people who get so sensitive and it, like politics, uh, c- colors. Yeah. Get, getting cut off and try like, it doesn't matter. They have something where they just flip and throw a tantrum like a, Infant. Right, but I, but the, the the concept in the on the snowflake thing is more like I have something I hold on to so closely mm. that if you say anything that seems like an attack on it, I go off. Yeah, and that's so. Common. It's interesting then with that definition, then a snowflake could be right or left. Well, yeah, I think that's so. What I was yeah, and I think so because I hear a lot of people on the right use it to demonize or to demean the yeah. left. But yeah. there's an irony because they're being snowflakey. They're be- yeah, they're being snowflakey themselves. Like they'll lose it over stuff if you if you if you talk back to them. It's like yeah, it's it's like they'll be the biggest trolls. But the minute you criticize them, well, why are you attacking me? Like, or they feel personally attacked. Like, it's it's I don't know, man. It's it blows my mind. It's, it, I, I never I've never heard the definition of snowflake being that. I don't because know. That, always, I mean, that's how I think about it. I yeah. Oh, that's that's, that's an mean, interesting I, way to think about it. I don't it. know if there is a, a, a set definition, but well, it's not. Is there? I mean, just it the way it's is been a, used. A crystallized. It's a pejorative. It's a crystallized that piece of water. Yeah, fragile. I mean, it's really supposed to feel. Yeah. Um, but, but it's a, that's a good take on it because quite frankly, to Carlito's point, um, you know, if, if it's just a sensitive thing, yeah, I mean, both ways, but it works both ways. So it's, it, it has been used to vilify the left. So that's just the way I think of it. It's like, okay, yeah, you're calling the left snowflake, but at the same time, you're kind of being one too. Yeah. Like I was listening the other day, uh on the uh, sort of it came out of the uh, like Nietzschean like genealogy of morality and this idea of I think it's like a French term and I'm gonna butcher the hell out of it because I'm American but uh <laughs> resent mine whatever I mean look Americans <laughs> already make fun of French uh, yeah. people try to speak the language it's just gonna go worse yeah but uh we oui. yeah but uh <laughs> it's called like resent resentment or some, something of that Did nature it's like it's it's got extra letters than the word resentment. That doesn't need. But that the, the notion is that like it's people basically like you know when you have real resentment, you're you have a specific subject that you're you want revenge to, and you have a specific anger towards something like that that you can identify. But this French idea is more like it's a lot more ethereal. Like there's a cause of your resentment. But your revenge doesn't have exactly a specific point. So you create one. You create this 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 idea of something to be angry at. Black people. Well, I mean, you can say it, like people that like that, that you know like I like I hate black people. But and I hope you don't edit it just that part where it's like we have Mike Carlito. I hate black people. <laughs> but- <laughs> the funny part. Yeah. But it, but it's the idea of uh, let me the, like. I, I don't like Mexicans because they steal my jobs. Yeah, and that, is that and they is that think that's the a, they create that cause because they yeah. don't have really something to be angry at or a specific person to be angry at. Just angry that the job's not there like yeah. it used to be. So they create a cause, and then that cause also because they, they have that specific anger gets rid of their culpability in their situation. Huh. So they don't have to be like, well, what am I doing with my life? What am, what am I, what else could I be doing to change this, this thing I'm angry at or remove myself from it? 
Like, I don't have a responsibility in this anger anymore. It's the um, coal miner or steel worker who has been ousted by technology or whatever the case. And I worked in this industry for 15, 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. And it's just too hard to really go learn a new craft or learn a new trade or do something different. I'm going to fight the idea that outsourcing or Mexicans or whatever the case may be has has been the cause of of my plight. Yeah. And thus, I am going to continue to just live the life that I'm unhappy with and vote for someone who sees that versus taking ownership and saying, hey, this sucks. And I'm not at fault here, but I got to figure something out and I got to yeah. take some ownership. It, it right? yeah. People that are like, ah, oh, I just got fired. Oh, I hate Trump. Like, like, sure, it, it, yeah. it's on both Ooh, sides. Like, putting all of the everything's wrong because Trump's president. I'm like, sure. No. So you talked about something. So a couple things. I wrote down wedge issue because I think that's huge. Something that I don't even think a lot of, a lot of people realize is happening, and they get stuck on wedge issues which have nothing to do with anything. Sure. And then we can't have a real conversation about why tariffs matter. Yeah. Or like why a tax plan matters and like how changing it affects people they're just stuck on like well you're gonna raise taxes so you're evil or you're gonna lower them so you're good yeah there are more implications than that it was more complexity to that and what people really all they really want is just affirmation of their grievances rather than having to like look deeper or like you know how we're talking about like the way taxes work the way global economics works like that's too much for them they just want to hear like yeah, that's that's why I'm pissed off. I think it's hard too, right? Um, for for a lot of us, uh, I I find and I wouldn't say solace, but I find politics and learning about this stuff interesting. And I also have a job that is mentally demanding at times and time demanding. And I have a daughter and I have a wife, and yeah. um, you know, I just happen to overconsume news these days so I can just process what the heck is going on and do it in, in, in a way that I think is responsible. Cause I think there are irresponsible ways to consume news. Um, but you know, it's hard for a lot of people. Right. And, and I think, I think that's where the, the, the political irresponsibility is that they capitalize on that difficulty. Sure. Right. Like they, they, they create these, these talking points the NRA is a great one. You know, good guy with a gun defeats a bad guy with a gun. Yeah. Like, well, let's break that down and what that actually means. And let's talk about it versus just taking that, that high level. That's, but that's not politics. That's economics because they're selling, they're selling NRA. But a politician doing it is literally politics, which using politics in politics is okay. It's when you're not using the facts. To prop your side, in my opinion. Well, so like, are we even using politics anymore in the age of Trump? Like, everything can be negated so quickly. Even facts can be just negated out the door. Like, yeah, that didn't happen, or that's not how it is. And right. people go yeah, along the, with it the, because the, it, the lawn was full during my inauguration. Speech yeah, but people it was. people are willing to go along with it, and that in like any sort of things because he again is speaking to their grievances and affirming their suspicions without having to actually give facts. It's that thing where, all right, so Keith likes the Patriots. Mm -hmm. Most of the rest of the world hate the Patriots. Sensible people. (laughs) 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 But so, he likes the Patriots. So, Tom Brady. Like, most people, you mention Tom Brady, they're like, ugh, ah, they hate that guy, right? Sure. If if they know sports, they hate that guy. But I, I I would put all the money that I'm worth down, which is like negative five cents. No, I would put all of my positive assets down and say, if Tom Brady was on your team, you would love him. Oh, yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. Right? I totally agree. But that, that also... But to your point about the grievance, like, he's on, the, he's on their team and he's beating us, so no, I can't like him. Yeah. I can't respect And they won't admit that, like, you know, he's a good player. Like, he's a solid player. Yeah. Like, they just were like, they just want to destroy that other team so badly. Yeah. That yeah, they don't, they're willing to just be blind. So they're willing to give Trump a pass because he's on their team and saying a couple of the things or maybe all the things that they like. So everything else, 
Like, you ever heard any, like, like John Rawls? I mean, sort of like oh, Rawlsian philosophy, yeah. that idea of like, what's like the first position or not, maybe that's ballet, but, uh, first <laughs> <laughs> Rawls ballet, but, but just, but with Rawls, it was that idea of like, if think of, like, how would you design a perfect society if you didn't know what class you were, what sex you were, what race you were, you know, w- w- how would you go about creating a fair society if you didn't know any of those factors were going into it? So maybe that's kind of like where we kind of need to get back to. Not just being so uh, technocratic about trying to impose morality. Hmm. So, man, Mike, uh, it's been a fantastic conversation. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for pontificating, waxing poetic, sharing the inner workings with us. We really appreciate it. Sure, man. Thanks for having me on. It's, it's been a blast. Uh, I always enjoy these kinds of conversations.